You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. There's no spectacular flurry of Labor Day ransomware, but Ragnar Locker threatens its victims. Berlin complains to Moscow about Ghostwriter. Another Pegasus customer is disclosed. The Taliban is searching for data on potential domestic opponents. France visas are hacked. Modified apps are in circulation. Joe Kerrigan unpacks a COVID-based phishing scam. Carol Terrio weighs in on the ransomware pay-or-do-not-pay discussion. Proton Mail answers a warrant. Apple delays CSAM screening. And an alleged trickbot coder is arrested. From the CyberWire studios at Datatribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, September 7th, 2021. U.S. authorities warned that ransomware attacks could be expected to spike over the just-concluded Labor Day holiday. While cyber criminals have remained active, there seem to have been no spectacular new capers over a weekend largely devoid of unusual ransomware drama. Don't get us wrong, that's not a bad thing at all. But of course, there have been some attacks that had an effect, and at least one high-profile incident has caused some disruption. Howard University in Washington, D.C. has canceled classes for today— after detecting what appears to be a ransomware attack Friday. Bleeping Computer does report one interesting development. The operators of Ragnar Locker ransomware have warned their victims, whom the hoods cynically refer to as clients, that they'll promptly dump stolen data should they get a whiff of the victims going to law enforcement or indeed any third party for help. Quote, So from this moment, we warn all our clients, if you will hire any recovery company for negotiations, or if you will send requests to the police, FBI, investigators, we will consider this as a hostile intent, and we will initiate a publication of whole compromised data immediately. Don't think, please, that any negotiators will be able to deceive us. We have enough experience and many ways to recognize such a lie. Dear clients, if you want to resolve all issues smoothly— Don't ask the police to do this for you. We will find out and punish with all our efforts. Should you be a victim of Ragnar Locker, or indeed of any other gang, don't be deceived. You're not in any meaningful sense their client. The German foreign ministry yesterday lodged a complaint with Russia over ongoing attempts to stage cyber espionage and influence operations against the Bundestag during the run-up to national elections. Deutsche Welle reports. The activity, which is reported to have successfully compromised some federal networks, is part of the long-running and often-described ghostwriter campaign against Central and Eastern European targets. Deutsche Welle summarizes the ministry's conclusions and the reactions of Bundestag members, unhappy at what they regard as the government's failure to keep them apprised of the situation. The German government's communication network has been breached by hackers. The parliament's secret supervisory body has been informed by the chancellery and security services. And they say it's not over. 
This is an actual cyber attack on the government's information network, and it's ongoing. The government has known about this since December. It spent weeks observing the cyber attack to learn more about the hackers' activities. Not even the agency responsible for intelligence services was informed. Delegates are angry about being left out of the loop. We would all understand if the Chancellor's office said it needs to observe a critical issue a little longer. But the fact that no one said anything at all, on the contrary, means we are once again in a position to learn about such incidents from the media, which I think is absurd. That's Deutsche Welle. You can listen to the whole thing there. As the sound clip suggests, this isn't a fresh discovery. But the complaint to Russia is new, as is the acknowledgement of the possible extent of the compromise. The information Ghostwriter obtained does not, by initial reports, seem to be highly sensitive, but its potential for disinformation and influence operations is regarded as significant. In an unrelated development, Germany's federal police, the BKA, are reported to have been among the customers of NSO Group, quietly purchasing its controversial Pegasus intercept tool. Takashau says that authorities will report on the purchase to a watchdog Bundestag committee today. There are no specific allegations of the BKA having abused the tool, but Pegasus has been in such bad odor due to its abuse by repressive regimes that suspicion inevitably accompanies its adoption by any law enforcement agency. Dysite reports that the capabilities of Pegasus outrun the kinds of surveillance permissible under German law. When the tool was purchased, German authorities are said to have insisted that only such functions as were compatible with the law would be activated, but Dysit says it's unclear not only how, but even if such selective enablement would have been possible. Reuters reports that the Taliban is actively seeking access to the emails of former government officials, and that Google has, temporarily at least, locked down access to such accounts. Google didn't directly confirm their move to deny the Taliban access to the accounts, saying only it was monitoring events and was taking temporary actions to secure relevant accounts. The concern over email accounts and other data belonging to the fallen government coming into the possession of the Taliban is that the information gained would be used to track and arrest former government officials or indeed anyone else of suspect loyalty. The Taliban's control over the country is now generally regarded as complete. Less than a week after the U.S. departure, the last stronghold of resistance, the Panjshir Valley, has been secured by the Taliban. According to the Washington Post, the National Resistance Front of Afghanistan, the anti-Taliban resistance organization that had held the valley against both Soviet and Taliban attempts to conquer it, confirmed that the Taliban was now in control of the region. France's interior ministry disclosed Friday that its visa platform, France Visas, has sustained a cyber attack that exposed personal information of visa applicants. The ministry said it quickly contained the attack, and the information compromised was neither sensitive, as defined under GDPR, nor financial, and that it would have been insufficient for the attackers to fraudulently obtain government services. Modified apps, legitimate applications criminals have copied and modified to deliver adware, spyware, and other malicious payloads, are, according to security firm Pradeo, continuing to circulate. The problem isn't entirely new, 
but it's growing in prominence as some large, trusted apps are copied and modified. Pradeo draws particular attention to bogus Netflix apps that are afflicting the unwary. Users should apply the usual skeptical cautions before installing an app. If the offer arrived by smishing, it's no good. If the offer looks too good to be true, you can bet it is, and so on. But they have some advice for app developers. Obfuscate and encrypt your code to discourage hackers. Enhance your app with tamper detection features that will react appropriately at runtime to a code integrity violation. Your users will thank you. Privacy-friendly end-to-end encrypted email service ProtonMail has acceded to a legally binding order from the Swiss Federal Department of Justice, originating with Europol that required it to turn over the IP address and certain device information used by a group called Youth for Climate, characterized as anti-gentrification activists, to access their ProtonMail account. The information surrendered led to the arrest of some members of the group in France, according to Hacker News. Various observers aren't happy about the company's action, which they regard as betrayal of the service's brand essence. Proton Mail, based in Switzerland, isn't happy about it either, but explains that they had no choice. Founder and CEO Andy Yen tweeted, quote, Proton must comply with Swiss law. As soon as a crime is committed, privacy protections can be suspended and we are required by Swiss law to answer requests from Swiss authorities. He added, Some thoughts on the French climate activist incident. It's deplorable that legal tools for serious crimes are being used in this way. But by law, Proton Mail must comply with Swiss criminal investigations. This is obviously not done by default, but only if legally enforced. End quote. It's unfortunate that Youth for Climate technically broke Swiss law, he said, noting that Proton Mail's people are also activists at heart and that the company routinely fights such requests. But this time, he says, their hands were tied. Influenced by adverse reaction from privacy hawks, Apple has decided to suspend its plans to incorporate screens for child sexual abuse material, CSAM, in iCloud. The company told TechCrunch on Friday, quote, Last month, we announced plans for features intended to help protect children from predators who use communication tools to recruit and exploit them and limit the spread of child sexual abuse material. Based on feedback from customers, advocacy groups, researchers, and others, we have decided to take additional time over the coming months to collect input and make improvements before releasing these critically important child safety features. End quote. So, Cupertino will take another run at the problem later, after discussion with those who've objected to the approach they announced in August. Apple has regarded the criticism as arising from a failure to communicate, and that it could have been clearer about what it regarded as an important safety feature that posed no real threat to privacy. But critics have seen, at the very least, a slippery slope of best practices, riding the toboggan toward full-fledged intrusive surveillance. A man suspected of writing code for the criminal enterprise that runs TrickBot has been arrested by authorities in Seoul on a U.S. warrant, the record reports. The alleged criminal coder, referred to so far only as Mr. A, had been unable to leave the Republic of Korea for the past year and a half, stranded by COVID-19 travel restrictions. 
Mr. A is expected to contest extradition on the grounds that American justice would impose a disproportionate penalty on him should he be convicted. This is the second alleged trickbot coder to be taken into custody, the first being Ala Witt, a Latvian national arraigned in a U.S. federal district court on June 4th. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. For quite a while now, the accepted best practice on ransomware was to not pay the ransom unless there was no other option available. Payment as a last resort, if you will. Lately, it seems... All parties advise a more practical approach. Our UK correspondent, Carol Terrio, addresses the ongoing dilemma of ransomware payment. So when you think about ransomware, if you put yourself in the situation where your data is locked or stolen and being threatened to be revealed or sold, what do you do? Do you pay the bad guys or do you not pay the bad guys? And, you know, it seems very easy to answer, but actually it's not. On the one side, the moral approach seems to be, of course, do not pay the ransom guys. To my mind, every single action film that involved a kidnapping was a success if the hero got away without rewarding the bad guys for their bad behavior. Good guys don't give bad guys stuff. But what if you're responsible for the welfare of people? Perhaps you're a health center, government services, authorities. What if you get hit by ransomware and you can't actually get ambulances out to people or people that are on benefits can't actually claim their checks? What happens then? According to Tech Target, of the 10 biggest ransomwares of 2021 so far, Two of them run public services. One was Buffalo Public Schools, where the private info of 34,000 students was at risk, and the entire school system was shut down for more than a week, which meant no in-class or remote learning for the kids. The other biggie was Ireland's Health Service Executive, HSC, which in May got hit by a massive ransomware attack. Getting operations back to normal has been no easy task. It wasn't until 
two months later that online registration for medical cards was restored. And additionally, healthcare centers were asking patients to bring in paper documents since computer records were inaccessible. And it seems like the market's kind of in flux because on one side you have insurance, cybersecurity insurance, which would have policies to cover you in case of a ransomware attack. On the other hand, you have governments considering banning companies from legally paying ransoms. Even at the highest levels, we don't agree. And this obviously benefits the hackers. According to a BBC article published earlier this year, hackers responsible for the colonial pipeline hack, Darkside, made at least $90 million in ransom payments based on their Bitcoin records. And that's a lot of wonga. I mean, in short, right now, it is super messy and the best thing to do is not get hit by ransomware. I know, easier said than done. But by putting in place all the things that you need to lower your risk to a ransomware attack, I say the better. This was Carol Terrio for The Cyberwire. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute and also my co-host over on the Hacking Humans podcast. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. Uh, interesting uh, publication here from the folks over at Inky, mm-hmm. uh, and it's titled Fresh Fish, Fake Mandatory COVID-19 Vaccine Form. Right. Uh, kind of stuff we cover over on Hacking Humans, and I thought it's an interesting story to share here with our CyberWire listeners. What's going on here, Joe? So... I don't know about uh, here at the CyberWire, you're a small business, but at Hopkins, I had to provide information that demonstrated that I had been vaccinated, Mm, mm -hmm. right? A large employer, and a lot of employers are going to require this information from their employees as well. Right. Well, these bad guys know that. Hmm. So they are using that as a lure for a phishing email. Hmm. And this email comes in. These emails are coming in from compromised external accounts. They're not coming from internal accounts. But because they're coming from the external accounts, they are getting through standard email authentication like uh, like DMARC. Oh. Right? So they go right through. And here's a sample of the email. Good morning, all. We are learning of a new strict requirement from the county with regards to COVID vaccinations. All employees are required to complete the COVID vaccination form and return to HR as soon as possible. This is a mandatory requirement, and it goes on and on and on, but here's here's the hook. It says, it is mandatory that you complete this form by the end of today. Mm. And one of the things we always say over on Hacking Humans and in social engineering circles is that one of the biggest red flags you should look for is a, a an artificial timeline, right. time constraint. Right, a and call this, to action. Call yeah. to action. This is, a, this is a call to action and a very short artificial time constraint. Yeah. All right, so... 
once you click on the link, you go to a credential harvesting site that tries to harvest your uh, Microsoft 365 credentials through an Outlook page that's really convincing, a very mm-hmm. good site Yeah. in terms of how well it's done. It's, a, it's an absolutely evil site, <laughs> but <laughs> it uh, it's, it's, looks really, really authentic. Right. Once you do that, to add insult to injury, uh, it asks the victim to enter some more personal information like your, uh, like your birthday and uh, your mailing address. Hmm. Right. So not only is it credential harvesting, but they're also getting some personal identifiable information. Right. So maybe they can start building uh, records they can sell to other people on the on the on the web for identity theft. Yeah. Once you complete that portion, you're actually sent to a uh, a Santa Clara County government website that has a PDF about submitting a form <laughs> that demonstrates you've been vaccinated. So a legit form. A legit form, yeah. That, is that's the final step. That's the final step. And that is to confuse the person and hopefully distract them from what they just did and not realize that they entered their information improperly. Hmm. Wow. Are there any tells here? Anything giving this away that folks can look out for? Number one, it's coming from an email that's not internal. Yeah. So it's not, not coming from uh, your HR department. Uh, number two, when you click on the link, you're taken to a, a login site, which really shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Right, you shouldn't be asked to log in. You're you're looking at your email already, even if you're looking at a web interface of your email, like like uh, the Outlook web client. Yeah, you're already logged into that. So when you click on a link and you're asked to log in again, that should be a red flag. Right, but it it isn't. It, a lot of times, it's somebody going, "Well, the system just glitched. I'll just enter my credentials." Again. Sure. Yeah. A couple of things you can do as as a as an enterprise to protect this: multi-factor authentication, multi-factor authentication, and multi-factor authentication. <laughs> Right, right, um, right, right. And you, as a person, if you have a personal account, multi-factor authentication always enable that. It, yeah, it, it makes this exponentially more difficult for these bad guys. If you don't have that enabled, then it makes it very easy for them. Also, strikes me that if you have a, a password manager, right, it's going to point out that hey, this isn't actually Office. That right, you're asking me to fill these credentials in. Yeah, it won't too. even do it if it's yeah. a web, uh, if it's a browser integrated password manager, it won't even enter the credentials. Right, That's right, right. All right. Well, uh, interesting example of this, uh, certainly playing off some of the topical stuff in the news here. Yeah, and, they're always uh, reading the paper, Dave. <laughs> it's worth it's <laughs> worth checking out. Again, this is uh, from the folks over at Inky and uh, Joe Kerrigan. Thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure, Dave. That's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. 
That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.